Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Cookie Radio. In your earphones. On the go. When you're trusting the process. Everywhere you want to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Follow me on Twitter at Scoop B, Instagram Scoop underscore B, Snapchat Scoop underscore B. Make sure to subscribe to the Scoop B Radio Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitch App, or simply visit ScoopBRadio.com. And on the line now is a guy that needs no big, big interruption. I feel like I've known you forever. It's none other than Forbes. One and only Brian Mazik checking in. What's going on, sir? Nothing, nothing much, man. I'm, I'm just doing the best I can. <laughs> Nah, you're doing it, brother. You're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you and I have known each other for a long time. We've done shows together. But one thing that's stayed constant throughout this whole process is you are Mr. Gamer. Uh, yeah, well, you know, that's uh, sometimes my wife says that, too, but I don't think she means it in the same way. But, you know. <laughs> well, the good thing is, the good thing is NBA 2K19 is um, you're one of the few people that have actually played it. Yeah, I did. I got an opportunity to play. It was a little bit of an earlier version, but I think it was enough to get a good idea of the direction that the gameplay is headed this year. What do you think? Uh, I saw what I what I saw of it was um, was improved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely, uh, I saw a lot of a lot more ball tangibility, okay. and that's a big thing because in eighteen. It's kind of like the ball was off limits in terms of from a defender being able to poke away at the dribble and that sort of thing. So it really kind of made the game imbalanced. Uh, another thing that I saw that I liked was this dribble fatigue. So a lot of guys, they like to call them dribble gods, kind of just go through all of these random, or not random, but a series of dribble moves behind the back, crossovers, snatchbacks, uh, chicken wraps, and all this sort of thing. And they just do that until they found the opening, broke a guy's ankles or whatever, which was kind of not even controllable by the player. And then they go ahead and gain the advantage when, you know, in real life, you do all that dribbling, you got to get tired. Uh, so it seems that they have implemented a little bit of that. And then the last thing I'd say, one of the big, the last big thing is 
the removal of what you call some blow-by animation. It's not totally removed, but it's definitely tamed. Um, you know, if you had a really good offensive player, you could kind of turbo pass tight defense all the time, and you could just kind of ride that animation into a dunk or a layup. Uh, but that's been nerfed quite a bit. So I'd say if I had to point out three big things that, that improve the gameplay based off of what I saw would be those. NBA 2K in store September 11, 2018. LeBron James is on the cover. Uh, Los Angeles Lakers superstar LeBron James. I have to get used to saying that. Um, <clears throat> you uh, were the guy who broke uh, that story uh, before uh, 2K announced it. What can you tell us about that whole process? Well, uh, I just kind of, you know, just from just kind of watching the situation unfold and, you know, watching 2K development cycles and that sort of thing since the beginning. Like, I'm literally a person that's been playing 2K since its inception. September 9th, 1999, you know, that's when the Dreamcast launched. NBA 2K came out like the following month. And I've been playing the series ever since. So, you kind of get a good feel for the way they do things. Mm-hmm. And um, just watching that and uh, watching what was going on with LeBron and what happened with Kyrie being on the cover of 18 and how the cover had to switch and all of that. So I just started to get the hunch that he was the guy that would be on the cover and turned out uh, I was right. Now, he is only he's on the 20th anniversary cover edition. The standard cover edition is Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, in order to get the LeBron cover, you got to spend more money. <laughs> the fifty nine ninety nine version is Giannis Antetokounmpo. And uh, also, if you pre order the game, you get it on September seventh, uh, and um, instead of September eleventh. Scoopy Radio on the line with Brian Mazik, and you talked about the twentieth uh, anniversary edition. It's crazy how far. 2K has gone. Uh, it it kind of takes me back to that uh, notorious B.I.G. line. It's, it's, it's crazy to see how far hip-hop has gone this far. Um, 20th anniversary of, of 2K has LeBron James on the cover. It's the 20th anniversary. He's the cover star. LeBron, um, the special edition is currently set for a price of $99.99. That includes 100,000 virtual currency points, 50,000 my team points, 20 my team league packs, delivered once per week. You have a Sapphire Edition My Team card, uh, 10 My Team Heat Check Packs, five LeBron-themed murals from my court, and a LeBron My Court design. Uh, for someone who is a parent who may not know all of those things, why should they spend that? What do those things actually mean, $99.99 to pick up that game? Well, most of it is in-game boost. Um, the things like the heat check packs and that sort of thing, that's, that refers to one specific mode, which is the my team mode. And my team, basically, this is the way I explain it to people who may not be aware of it. So if you were younger, you know, there's a decent chance when you were younger, you, you, you collected cards. So basketball cards, baseball cards, football cards, whatever you collected, right? Um, this mold or that and then the 2K is not the only sports game that has this kind of mold. Uh, Madden has it, FIFA has it, NHL has it. They call theirs Ultimate Team. 
But who K calls there is my team. Essentially, it blends the concepts of card collecting with fantasy sports, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so with fantasy sports, you know, you're trying to build this, you know, the best team you can build, and you, you know, that your team goes up against the another person's team, you know, in, in these fictional or fantasy matchups. But in those situations, the outcome is based off of what they do in real life. Well, in my team and in car collecting modes, it's based, you, you, you actually get to play the action out on the virtual court. So that's why the whole collection stuff is so big. And you hear Ronnie tweeting out uh, locker codes for pink diamond cards because those are some of the best cards. Uh, and, you know, you get a chance to get those things for free. Um, so that's what it is. And the heat check cards are something that's new this year, <clears throat> which it kind of relates to real the real life, uh, what's going on in real life in real basketball. So say, for instance, you got a Giannis and Tedekumpo card, right? The Giannis mm-hmm. Giannis is rated a 90 overall. Mm-hmm. But say, for instance, he's going off. Um, he's having a great week in basketball. Not even a great week. He just had a great game. Say he just put together a 40-point triple-double, right? Well, now he's going to activate his heat check card and it's going to raise the rating on his heat check card. So if you have his heat check card, then that rating then becomes dynamic and it reacts based off of what he did in real life. So those cards can be valuable because it'll allow you to get more out of a card than it would have really, you would have really had, um, you know. So it, it kind of just comes down to like a lot of people, they're like, I'm not spending any real money for a fictional product, essentially, right? So mm-hmm. you know, I don't get anything in my hand, you know, whatever. So I, I definitely understand that uh, for sure. But the era of gaming that we're in right now is one where the consumer base literally is spending a fortune mm-hmm. on digital products. And not even products, I'm talking about digital enhancements to video games. I mean, you like, I believe, I can't remember the exact total, but on what we call microtransactions, which is when you're buying these these products within games, on microtransactions alone, Electronic Arts made, I, I think it was something like, it's like $194 million dollars or it might have even been more than that, just in microtransaction loans. So it has nothing to do with the with the cost or the, the purchase of the games themselves. <clears throat> these purchases within a game are actually, you know, sustaining these companies and producing massive windfall like profits. So it is what it is. Ratings. LeBron James has a 98. Kawhi Leonard has a 94. Carl Anthony Towns rated 91. But then DeMarcus Cousins is rated 90. DeMar DeRozan is an 89. But then you have the trio of Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, and Ben Simmons at an 87. Uh, had Ronnie 2K on Scoopy Radio uh, a couple weeks ago. And um, he basically gave his logic of the Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons ratings as, you know, those guys stepped it up in the playoffs this past season. But then you have a guy like Paul George, who mm, is maybe a couple numbers higher. Do you just think that the NBA 
and his players are just that good? And do you think? And, and with that question, I'll add: Do you think that those ratings that are given are irrespective of their star power or how they did the previous year? Where, where do you gauge that? Well, honestly, for me, I think the biggest problem and the thing that is somewhat skewed this year's scale to a degree is the Jason Tatum rating, right? Because the Jason Tatum rating coming in at 87 is the thing, is the one that gives us the most pause. Because if we're just going on what he did last year, that doesn't really seem to match. I think most people are in agreement that he has among the most potential of any player, any young player in the league, you know, and most people can't wait to see what exactly it is that he becomes. But based off of what he actually did last year in the regular season, and then even more so in the postseason, when pretty much all of his numbers went down. Like, so if you check Jason Tatum's numbers in the postseason, as compared to what he did in the regular season, almost everything went down. So when you think about that and you say, okay, so in spite of all of that, he has a higher rating than Blake Griffin. You know, he's, you know, on par with this guy, on par with that guy. So it, 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 and so I think what ends up happening is every time somebody, a new rating comes out, we look at Jason Tatum, <laughs> you know, and it's almost like he's the median line for, you know, where this is. So I think Jason Tatum's a little overrated in the game. Not overrated as a prospect, sure. but overrated in the game. That's fair. And then when you look at Donovan Mitchell, Clint Capella, and Victor Oladipo in season during 2018, uh, those guys' production stepped up. Um, right. You just took, I, I wrote about it in the Basketball Society uh, back in April. Uh, Ronnie said to me that there's been a lot of guys who have had significant bumps. Um Oladipo, for example, uh, was uh, involved in an offseason trade that shipped Paul George to OKC. Uh, at one point, he averaged 23 points, four assists, and five rebounds this season. Uh, Indy did well. They took on the Cavaliers very well. They lost in the playoffs. Uh, but then you have a guy like Clint Capella, who, you know, since in the Houston Rockets uh, franchise, um, he's before uh, or after Hakeem Olajuwon, no one has ever put up at least 23 points and 25 rebounds in the game. Capella did that. Uh, and then when you look at Donovan Mitchell, we know what he was capable of doing. Donovan Mitchell exceeded expectations, told Stephen A. Smith uh, on ESPN that uh, that the Utah Jazz would take the Oklahoma City Thunder in the playoffs, which they did. And, you know, they went to the next round. So then when you look at Jason Tatum, it took Gordon Hayward getting hurt and Kyrie Irving being hurt for Jason Tatum to take over in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that I think that Capella is rated properly. I think 84 is about right. I could even have seen maybe a little bit less. Uh, I think Capella is one of those guys who his production is based a lot on the teammates that he has. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's a rim runner, uh, rebounder, shot blocker. The rebounder and the shot blocking is what it is. But the the offensive aspect, without the one on one and pick and roll maestro, to use a two K term, that 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 he plays with, two of them at this point, mm -hmm. um, and playing in a system that 
drastically rewards a rim runner like him. It, I think that you, when you talk about a player rating, you're not your player rating. I, I almost think there should be two player ratings, and 2K kind of moves in this direction a little bit because they have certain things. They have a, a something called system fit, so it's based on. Uh, you know, the system that the coach runs and that sort of thing. But I almost think that there should be a, a really dynamic rating depending upon your teammates and your, uh, and your, 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 the scheme that your coach runs. Because with a player like Capella, because of what he does well, playing with a pick and roll guard, his rating should go up because they're able to create the situations where he can excel. Uh, but if you just took Capella out and say, can I put Capella on any team and he's going to have a 25 and 23 game? No, he's not going to have that on any team because he's, he, he needs those types of guys on the floor with him. So uh, I think, you know, he's a tough one. To I, I would definitely say Jason Tatum should be rated ahead of Clint Capella. Um, but it's, it's you know, it, it's, 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 Basketball is such a specialized game now, you know, that it's so crazy the way it is. And bigs have to be uh, evaluated in different ways. So, you know. Yeah. Because when you look at the, um, the Lob City Clippers era, you know, you look at a guy like DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan could come to Houston and play well. But I yeah. think Capella can create his shot better than Jordan does for obvious reasons. I feel like when you look at a DeAndre Jordan – he is Ben Wallace with us with more of a scoring uh, threat than a Ben Wallace in comparison. But you look at the Clint Capella, Capella can get you in a lot of ways. He can take a jumper. He can take a face-up jumper. He can jack you. And he can run to the basket. He can dunk. But get you a ton of blocks. It's almost like a Jamal Swift and Kenyon Martin on steroids, if you will. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that uh, Clint Capella is probably a little bit better at putting the ball on the floor than uh, than DeAndre, and he definitely. I don't know. I think back to the basket. I think they're probably both in about the same in the mm -hmm. same in the same uh, boat. But yeah, I mean, I, I could I could definitely definitely go for that for sure. Your favorite two K game? You've been playing since the beginning. What are your two favorite all time two K games? My two favorite all time two K games is probably uh, eleven and twelve. Michael Jordan was on eleven, correct? Yes. I'm guessing that's why you like it. Being the well, well, yeah, that was cool, but it was the modes that were in the game that I really, really loved. The Jordan Challenge mode was just an outstanding mode, just period, right? I love that mode. It also, in 2K11, is when they had crew mode, which is what spawned what we see now in Pro-Am. Uh, I just thought as an overall package, 2K11 was, was one of the best. I Favor 12, just a little bit more than 11. Um, 11 had uh, the greatest of all time modes or the legends mode or whatever it was called. It was just like Jordan Challenge, but instead of just focusing on Jordan, you had these challenges that you had to recreate um, from a, a variety of Hall of Famers' careers. So Clyde Drexler, Magic Johnson, uh, Michael Jordan, and it was really as a person who's a basketball historian and a lifetime basketball fan, uh, I really just a, that's the one thing I will say about 2K that is um, better than to me every other sports video game. They pay homage to the history of the sport that they emulate, 
more than every other sports franchise in existence. They do more with nostalgia, more with classic teams, more with legendary players. I mean, back in 12, man, they went so far as to, and I don't know why they took this out and won't bring it back. Back in 12, when you were doing the Legends mode and you were playing with like a team in the 50s, mm-hmm. the, screen, the the filter was black and white. Mm-hmm. But your games were in black and white. And if you were playing with a team with the 70s, it had like a sepia tone look to it. Like just stuff like that was so ridiculously awesome. You know, if you're a basketball savant like me, and, you know, I just, I think, they do that well, and a lot of other a lot of other sports video game franchises either neglect the history of their game or don't go as hard with it as 2K. Scooby Rain on the line talking to Brian Music. Like, Brian, you have a new podcast that's out. Yeah, I've been doing a little bit of something uh, on my channel. Uh, it's called the the Hoops Brotherhood. Just been doing a little bit here and there. It's kind of it doesn't have a time frame necessarily now. Now it's more or less when there are interviews and people to talk to it uh, available for it. I kind of just plug that under that banner. I'm uh, doing a little bit with guys from the NBA 2K League, the ma- uh, the managing director of the 2K League, and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's uh, and I'm sure everybody can tell I like to talk. So. <laughs> Not you. No, that's a little bit, you know. Tell me more about the, the Hoops Brotherhood, man. You, you being modest. Tell me more about it. Uh, it's it's really, man, it's just, um, you know, my YouTube channel, I converted it to, I have two YouTube channels. One of them is dedicated to nothing but basketball, and the other one is uh, sports video games across the board, so all other sports. But the, the Hoops Brotherhood, I, I put that on the basketball-only channel, and it's really, I, I created it because I wanted to just be able to talk basketball of all kinds. And to me, basketball is one of those sports that connect people from all different cultures and walks of life. Um, you can have a guy who makes his living on Wall Street have a conversation with a guy who, you know, works in public sanitation or a kid who grew up in the inner city and has never really ventured far out of there. But they all connect because they because of their love for that game. And basketball right now is in so many different forms, from video games to video game leagues to uh you know, three on three and it 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 it's cross gender lines because we have the WNBA and we have the NBA and we have the G League and then it crosses crosses international lines because you have FIBA and all these different international leagues that are set up. So there's so many different people that do this. And to me, that all falls under basketball. And that's a basketball brotherhood and even the basketball sisterhood uh, overall. So that was really the motivation. And it's interesting you brought up the the ladies uh, in a place with style and grace. Shout out to Biggie. Because um, you you mentioned um, just basketball and how it's able to cross so many different borders and, and different, you know, genres, et cetera. And to shift a little bit, NBA Live uh, is a game that has, I guess, the My Player equivalent where you can have ladies like Candace Parker and others who are WNBA legends. Uh, you can play with those. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about it? I know it hit headlines, but you're the expert. Tell me a little bit more about that whole process with NBA Live. 
basically what they've done is, as you mentioned, uh, they have a mode that is similar, <coughs> excuse me, to the My Career mode in 2K, and it's called the One. And so it's the same concept. You create a player, you take them kind of through a, a, a career, and you're trying to develop their different skills and attributes based off of the different modes that are available under this hub. Uh, but EA has been first and ahead of the curve, pretty much ahead of every other sports video game publisher and developer by implementing women into their games. And so it started actually with FIFA. I believe it was two or three years ago when they had the women, the women's national teams. They were, they were the first to do that. And then the next year they brought it back in FIFA. And then last year in NBA Live, they had the WNBA teams. They just had the teams. Uh, you couldn't play like a franchise mode with them or anything like that, but you could play head to head with any of the WNBA teams. Um, they didn't have everybody scanned in as well as I, I would have liked, but they were doing something that nobody else had done by having that. And now this year, they're taking it even a step further by allowing you to create a female character, which is something that you cannot do, uh, couldn't do anywhere else. Even NHL under the EA banner allows you to create female players in that game. Um, but, you know, now you can act. The big thing is, not only are women in the game, but women are in the game and able to compete with male characters. And they have not limited, you know, size or anything like that. They haven't put any limits of athleticism on there or anything like that. So you could be a, you know, you can make a seven foot one female center if you want. You can make a six foot six you know, slashing swing player. It doesn't matter, and there won't be any limitations to the way that it uh the way that it's set up. So, I like it. Do you think that that's going to continue? Do you think 2K will follow suit next year? I do. I do think that at some point everybody will have to uh, do that uh, because I think it's going to be to a place where it is um, considered uh, the norm. And the, and the standard. Yeah, you look at the WWE. They have that pay-per-view. Uh, that's an all-women's pay-per-view. Yes. D2 has kicked the door open. Yes, uh, it's called Evolution. The WWE uh, Women's Pay-Per-View coming up is called Evolution. You've played both two... You did play NBA Live two, uh, 19, correct? Yeah, no, I didn't play that yet. Okay. What do you know about it? What do you think people will expect? Uh, I know that from a graphical standpoint, the the uh, the player renders seem to be vastly improved from previous years. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just face it, you know, Live has been best, uh, fighting an uphill battle for probably the last seven to eight years with 2K just becoming the premier, not only basketball game, but the premier sports video game in existence, right? Mm-hmm. So they've they've been, you know, just killing it. Uh, and Live has been trying to regain the crown that they used to have because a long time ago, a lot of people may not even be old enough to remember when Live was the, the basketball game, you know. So uh, they're trying to regain that status. And so one of the biggest steps that they, they needed to take was to improve visuals because a lot of people try to say the graphics don't matter or this, that, and the third. But as long as the eyeballs are the primary organs needed to enjoy a video game, graphics are going to matter. Uh, it's, it's like curb appeal when it comes to looking at a house. 
you might go inside the house. There might be new floors and there might be this or that amenity. But if outside it looks bad, you're not starting off on the right foot. And that's kind of how it is with graphics. And uh, in previous years, live has kind of killed it, killed itself before it even started by having, you know, inaccurate renders or not having rookies scanned in and that sort of thing. But this year, that has not been a problem. They have, you know, every render that they put out has at least been decent. They've had some that have been ex- excellent. Like their Trey Young is amazing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's the first thing. The second thing is they have to work on things from a uh, from a gameplay standpoint. Uh, there's a couple of things with ball physics that uh, could be better. Their their renders of players from the neck down could be better because I don't think that their body types are as as um, as realistic as you might want. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's another thing. But um, those are. Uh, you know, some something with fatigue, their shot fatigue and dribble fatigue need, needs to step up, same as 2Ks needed to. Um, so those are the major things. Do you think in our lifetime we'll ever see 2K, or excuse me, do you ever think in our lifetime we'll see NBA Live uh, make a resurgence uh, as the premier video game that it once was uh, above NBA 2K? I mean, anything is possible. Uh, but there's a, there's a, there's a still a fairly sizable gap. Um, 2K is a more, it's just a deeper game. You know, 2K has like seven different game modes in one, seven different games in one. And, you know, cause you, you have some people who play 2K and all they play is my team. You have other people who play 2K, all they play is Pro-Am. Another one is all they play is Park. Another one, all they play is my gym and my league. Another one, all they play is Play Now Online. And each one of those fans, can be feel fulfilled just playing that one mode. Mm-hmm. And live just doesn't have as many layers as 2K at this point. And that's the reason, the reason, main reason for that is because they're trying to establish themselves, their ground, their foundation first. So while they're still trying to get their foundation together, 2K is building on its own, building on its lead. But there is an opening because there were quite a few people unhappy with 2K18. They didn't like the microtransactions. They felt the game was too dependent upon them. Uh, there were some gameplay issues for sure uh, that started to come out more after the game was released. So there is a little bit of an opening, but it's one of those things where it feels like 2K had a seven-lap lead. And their missteps might have just reduced it to a five lap lead. <laughs> so you know, that 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 makes sense. And then lastly, when uh, we talk extensively, uh, I chat with Charles Barkley, B Radio, that unless the Retire Players Association uh, got X amount of money, they cannot use my likeness. I'm not going to even think about that anymore. They're going to give me they're going to give some money to retire players or they'll never be able to use my likeness, period. My job is to take care of the older players. Your thoughts on his comments about the game? Well, you know, at first at one point, I felt that perhaps he was a little misinformed and not quite on the right page with that. But as I've done a little bit more research and talked to a few more people, I think I'm not 100% on his side, but I do see some of what he's saying. Um, But I think that it's more of an organizational thing. I think that it would really behoove the former players 
and all everyone involved if there was a retired players association that when 2K came to get the license to 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 get to use the, all these different players, they essentially came and got the license from this particular organization. Mm-hmm. That organization, all of the income, whatever that they that they produce, that organization then distributes that money evenly to mm-hmm. everyone who is in who's in the league, who's or in that particular organization. That way, 2K essentially could do a one-stop shop for the licensing. Every retired player would benefit from this type of licensing, and you wouldn't have this gap. So I think that while I understand what he's saying. I don't know that there is something. I don't know that he has all of the information. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's saying he wants them to make a donation of a million dollars to the retired players association, and then they can use his likeness. But from a business standpoint, and we always have to think about this, right? Getting Charles Barkley's license is just one part of the game. Whatever we spend to get a license, you know, if you're if you're if you're 2K, they have to think whatever I spend to get this license goes into my overall cost for producing the game. Do I want to dedicate a million dollars for the license of one player? Sure, sure, and that goes along the lines with something that the Americans could be ready to sit on the again. He said. It's like being pulled in both directions, being a guy who grew up playing games all the time, and you like to see your image in it. I understand that you have certain images like Charles Barkley, Carmelo, Jordan, who bring in a bigger crowd. He also said they also must understand that there are a lot of younger generations that don't know who they are. That crowd is coming because of the Russell Westbrooks uh, and the Kevin Durants and, of course, King James. But you've got to say it's an honor to be in here and try to compensate the best you can. Everybody's not Charles Barkley. Right. And, 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 and he is right because at some point, see, but Charles Barkley is one of those guys who is very financially secure. Mm-hmm. So he does not have to, he doesn't care about if he's ever, if he's never in a video game, it would never bother him. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it won't be any skin off his back. So he has no pressure from anywhere because he doesn't need that for fulfillment. Uh, Robert Ori really takes pride in the fact that he's in these games. Uh, you know, he, 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 and that means something to him. It doesn't mean anything to Charles, but Charles can use it as a bargaining chip because, or to get something else that he wants. Mm-hmm. But there will come a time that Barkley is so far removed from the fan base that no one will care. If you're Charles Barkley, what do you do in the next year? And if I'm Charles Barkley, what I would what I would do if I was that and and, I, and again, let me preface this by saying I don't have all the information either. But if I was Charles Barkley, what I would probably do if I was as concerned as it appears he is about the well being of the retired players and making sure that they're compensated with the amount of influence and money that he has. I would start at a start a licensing company where I could try to get all of these guys in who are not licensed, who who are, who who cannot or are not in a position necessarily to sell their likeness, 
And I would find a way to get, you know, so whoever it is that's not currently involved, how can we pull them in in some way to create a revenue stream for them? Because not everybody that's a retired player is doing as well as Charles Barkley. Right. You know, so there are some guys out here that are retired from basketball who, if you could help generate a $1,000 a month check for them, it would be very helpful. Because of wherever they are financially now, because when they played, they didn't make the money that guys are making now. Mm. So I feel like that's a way, you know, but like as I said, I don't think it's super high on Charles's priority list. So. Well, you know, you've given me an idea for my next session with Charles, but we'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Radio with Brian Benzik on Forbes. Where can everybody check out everything that you have going on, my brother? If you follow me on Twitter, that's the best way to see everything because whenever a video I put out uh, on my YouTube channel, it's tweeted there. Uh, Whenever an article is written, it goes there. So you can follow me at Unique Benzik. That's U-N-I-Q-U-E. Benzik is M-A-Z-I-Q-U-E. You heard it first. Brian Benzik, Forbes Magazine, Scoop B Radio. Once at it again. Thank you so much for your time, my brother. Anytime. My man. Scoop B Radio. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.